Well, that's quite a story, and uh, we're going to be learning more about that today. Que historia más única. But right now, I just want to take a moment to say Happy Father's Day to all of the dads out there. Quiero decir Feliz Día de los Padres a los papás. I know that you're watching today. Some of you will be at the outdoor service, but I just hope it's a great day for you. And you know, I'm really grateful for my dad. Uh, my dad has been such a blessing in my life. He's He's such a unique person. He's impacted me in so many ways. Mi papá me ha impactado en muchas formas. And there are some small, simple ways even that I realize my dad has impacted my life. Uh, something very simple, but I think it's had a, a bigger effect on me than I've understood. Hay algo simple que me ha impactado más de la cuenta de mi papá. It's this. My dad is a left-handed man. M my dad is is a lefty. Mi papá es zurdo. So, you know, in a sense, I'm the son of a southpaw. Okay, so hijo de, de un zurdo. And that's really impacted my life. Uh, for example, it's made me much more sensitive to those of you out there who are left-handed. Who's left-handed? I can't see you raise your hands, but I know there are lefties out there. ¿Quiénes son zurdos? Let me just say, I get it, okay? I, I feel your pain. It's tough to be a left-handed person in a right-handed world. Es difícil ser zurdo en un mundo de personas que usan la, la derecha. You often have to adapt in ways that righties don't have to. You, you have to use things that aren't made for you. Tienen que adaptarse, usa, usar cosas que no son hechas para ti. You, you have to do things that are unnatural at times, unconventional, hacen cosas poco convencionales. And, and I understand that. In fact, I think one of the things I learned from my dad, just a small thing, is I learned how to play pool with either hand. And, and it came in handy with the long shots. Yo, yo puedo jugar billares con cualquier mano. And I've learned how to be sensitive and to use this left hand uh, because of my dad. So, and, and Martin, for example, Martin is a lefty. I, maybe some of you know this, but did you know Martin plays guitar with the right hand? Martin es zurdo, pero toca la guitarra con la derecha. And what he tells me is that's because uh, growing up, there were no left-handed guitars. He just had to use uh, a right-handed guitar. Tenía que aprender la guitarra con una guitarra para la mano derecha. So that's the way it goes. So if you're a frustrated lefty, um, this morning there's a story in Scripture that I want to share with you, and that's the one that we just read. Para los zurdos frustrados, aquí una historia de las Escrituras. And it's about this guy by the name of Ehud. Ehud, we're told in Judges 3.15, was a left-handed man. Aod es un hombre zurdo, nos dice la palabra. And it says, here's an interesting thing, it says that he was a left-handed man from the tribe of Benjamin. Era zurdo de la tribu de Benjamín. Now, that's ironic. The reason it's ironic is the name Benjamin, the name of his tribe, actually means, get this, son of my right hand. Benjamin quiere decir hijo de mi mano derecha. And that was the, 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 a place of honor. To, to be right-handed, the right hand in Scripture uh, really refers to power. It, it refers to superiority and dominance and, and victory and honor and glory. La derecha se refiere a poder, victoria, gloria, honor. But Ehud was a left-handed man in a tribe whose claim to fame is that they were the right 
handed sons of Israel. Es de la tribu de los que usan la derecha, pero es, es zurdo. In fact, oh, just kind of an interesting tidbit I found out is that in Hebrew, in the Hebrew language, there really isn't a word for left-handed. No hay palabra para zurdo en hebreo. Really what a left-handed person, the word basically is, your right hand is tied to your side. Or your right hand is useless. Uh, quiere decir que está atada a tu mano derecha. You're, you're left-handed if you don't have a right hand uh, that is strong. And, and so poor Ehud, that's his claim to fame. There's no honor for a left-handed guy who comes from a tribe of righties. No hay honor para un zurdo que viene de una tribu de los que usan la derecha. And yet, here in Judges chapter 3, we see how God uses Ehud to gain honor and glory. Not for Ehud, but for himself. Dios usa a Od para dar honrar, honra y gloria para sí mismo. And so it begins, as we talked about last week, it begins with Israel falling into this downward spin cycle. You may recall we talked about that last week. Se, se trata cuando Israel desciende en el ciclo uh, de, de giro. Uh, first of all, Judges 3.12 tells us how it begins. Once again, the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord. Una vez más, los israelitas hicieron lo que ofende al Señor. There's the first stop in the downward cycle. They, they fall into immorality. They fall into idolatry. Están cayendo en idolatría e inmoralidad. And then that leads them, as we saw last week, that leads Israel into the second phase of the downward cycle, which is slavery. Después, la esclavitud. It says, because they did this evil, the Lord gave Eglon, king of Moab, power over Israel. Por causa del mal que hicieron, el Señor le dio poder sobre ellos a Eglon, rey de Moab. So God, again, allows Israel to be overpowered by these raiders. This time it's Eglon, the king of Moab. A foreign power comes in and takes over. Otra vez, uh, un, un poder extranjero se apodera de Israel. And it tells us here in verse 13 that, that Eglon got a couple of allies. He got the Ammonites and he got the Amalekites. And together they went off and it says they took possession of the city of Palms. Como los Ammonitas y Amalecitas atacaron y se apoderaron de la ciudad de las Palmeras. What's the city of Palms? Well, it's the city of Jericho. Es Jericho. And so they've set up shop there in Jericho, and they take over. And then we come to this part of the spin cycle uh, another time. This is where, in verse 15, the Israelites cry out to the Lord. Y los israelitas claman al Señor. They cry out to God. And God's answer is to raise up this guy named Ehud. Dios responde al levantar a Oh, this left-handed man from the right-handed tribe. And we're told then that he goes with a group of men to pay tribute to King Eglon. They're under Eglon's thumb for 18 years. Dieciocho años están bajo la mano de Eglon y van a pagarle tributo. Now, so tribute, I want to explain this. They're going to pay tribute to Eglon. That doesn't mean that they're going to Eglon to say, hey, Eglon, we salute you, we pay tribute to you, you're the king. No van a saludarlo y decir, tú eres el rey. No, tribute is an annual payment 
of a large sum of money that a conquered nation would have to give to a conquering king. Kind of like protection money. Es una paga de dinero, de mucho dinero que se da a un reconquistador para protección. And it was probably in the form of gold. Okay, so they're, they're packing all this gold up and they're taking it to Eglon. And from the context, we believe Eglon is in Jericho. He's in the city of Palms. Están llevando esta, este tributo a Eglon en Jericho. So off they go. But here's the thing. Verse 16 tells us, as they enter the city of Jericho to give this tribute to Eglon, Ehud is packing. Okay, he's got a weapon. He has a double-edged sword about this long, and it says that he has strapped it to his right thigh. Tiene una espada de dos filos, filos atada a su muslo derecho. Okay, now that's significant. Why? Because a left-handed person is going to grab their weapon and take it out this way. Un zurdo lo agarra así. A right-handed person would have a sword strapped to their left thigh. Una persona de mano derecha pone su espada al muslo izquierdo, so that they would do it this way. So he's putting it on the opposite leg. Lo pone en, en la pierna opuesta. Why is that important? Because you see, this is what enables Ehud to pass through security undetected. Él puede pasar la seguridad sin que la detecten. And so he comes into the presence of King Eglon, and they give Eglon, verse 17 tells us, they give Eglon this tribute, And it says that Eglon was a very fat man. Eglon era un hombre gordo y le dasen este tributo. And so basically what happens is this fat man is getting fatter, right? With all this tribute, with all this gold. Este gordo se hace más gordo con el oro. And then the job being done, we're told in verse 18 that Ehud basically dismisses the group of men that are helping him to bring this tribute. Despida grupo que transportan el tributo. And he himself goes off. El se va también. Now, this is where things get interesting. Look with me at the beginning of verse 19. Judges 3.19. Miren versículo 19. At the idols near Gilgal, he himself turned back. Dice, pero luego se regresó desde las canteras que estaban cerca de Gilgal. So they paid the gold. Ehud walks off and he gets to this place called Gilgal where there's some idols set up. Ahod llega a Gilgal donde hay unas canteras y unos ídolos de piedra. And for some reason he turns back. Se regresa. Why? Well, I want to dig into this a little bit. First of all, we want to ask ourselves the question, where is Gilgal? Where's that? ¿Dónde está Gilgal? Well, if we look at a map, basically Gilgal is just one mile from Jericho. Está un kilómetro de Jericho. It's not very far at all. And Gilgal has a significant place in the story of Israel. Gilgal tiene un lugar muy importante en la historia de Israel. If we go back to Joshua chapter 4 in the Bible, this is what we read. We read how Joshua, the leader of the people of Israel, carried or took the people of Israel across the Jordan River into the promised land. Josué, en capítulo 4, llevó a los israelitas a la tierra prometida cruzando el río Jordán. They went across the River Jordan. That's how they entered. That was their front door. But here's the thing. When they crossed the Jordan River, God did something amazing. God did a miracle. Dios hizo un milagro. 
God stopped the flowing of the River Jordan. Dios paró el fluir, detuvo el fluir del Río Jordán. And so the Israelites cross over on dry land. Cruzan en tierra seca. It's a miracle. It's a powerful sign from God. Es un prodigio de Dios. And as a part of that miracle, God asks Joshua and the leaders of Israel to take 12 massive stones from the dry riverbed. Dios les pide agarrar 12 piedras del cauce del río and to set up these 12 stones as a monument to God. Establecen estas piedras como monumento a Dios. And where are those 12 stones set up? Gilgal. Están en Gilgal. Those stones were there to remind the people of what God had done. But now it says, as Ehud comes to Gilgal, there are stone idols. What's up with that? Pero él ve no solo piedras, sino ídolos de piedra. Well, here's what we can kind of do to fill in the blank. It would seem that the Israelites had put on top of those 12 stones, stone idols. Habían puesto encima de esas piedras unos ídolos de piedra. In other words, they have covered up what God has done. They have, as I said last week, forgotten intentionally what God has done. His great power, se han olvidado de lo que Dios ha hecho y han cubierto su milagro. And it's almost like Ehud comes to this place and it's like, this is where we have messed up. And he repents. He goes back. Él se arrepiente. Él se regresa. But not only that, he goes back to Jericho. And what's significant about Jericho is that is the first city that the Israelites conquered after they crossed the river. Fue la primera ciudad que conquistaron los israelitas después de cruzar en la tierra prometida. So, that's significant. This first city is now in the hands of another king. That's not right. No es justo que esta primera ciudad esté en manos de otro rey. And so Ehud goes back, and what he does next is out of left field. Lo que hace es muy inusual. Let's look at verse 19 again. He turned back, and he came, and he said, I have a secret message for you, O king. Majestad, tengo un mensaje secreto para usted. And the king is impressed. Wow, a secret message. And he basically says, quiet, get out of here, to all of his attendants, to all of his servants. Silencio, dice a sus servidores, y se retiran. And then it says that Ehud is all alone with the king in the upper room of his summer palace. Está a solas aul con el rey en el aposento alto de su palacio. And then he says something again. He says, I have a message from God for you. Tengo un mensaje de Dios para usted, le dice. And now the king is really uh, anxious to hear what this is. He stands up. He wants to get this special message from God. El rey se levanta para recibir ese mensaje de Dios. And that is where it says in verse 21, Ehud reached with his left hand and he drew the sword from his right thigh and he plunged it into the king's belly. Dice que ahora extendió su mano izquierda sacó la espada que llevaba en el muslo derecho y la clavó al rey en el vientre. And then there's kind of this cool moment that I'm wondering if, you know, for Father's Day, this is kind of like our action movie moment, the graphic, gooey, gory moment. It describes how the sword goes out the back of the guy and the fat closes up on it and it stays inside of him and the king is dead. 
La espada sale por el otro lado y la gordura eh, eh, la cubre. El rey está muerto. And Ehud makes his escape out the back. Y se escapa out. The king is dead. In other words, God has done the work through a left-handed man from a right-handed tribe. Dios ha hecho la obra de un hombre zurdo de una tribu de los que usan la mano derecha. But there's something more that perhaps we can see underneath the surface, uh, according to Bible scholars at least, the name Eglon has a special significance. El nombre Eglon, el rey, tiene un significado especial. King Eglon, Eglon means steer or bull. Quiere decir novillo o toro. Now, that might be a reference to the fact that the guy is a big guy, right? He's big as a bull, all right? Puede ser que es muy grande como un toro. But here's another idea, that in killing the king, what Ehud has done to this bull, to this steer, is that he has offered him up as a sacrifice to God. El Aod ha matado al rey ofreciéndolo como un sacrificio, un toro a Dios. So get the picture of what we see here. What we have here in Judges 3 is an unconventional story about an unconventional hero who acts in an unconventional way with his left hand to bring about something great. He brings about an unconventional victory and he brings about an unconventional peace. Este hombre poco convencional, poco convencional actúa de una manera poco convencional para traer una victoria y hacer un sacrificio poco convencionales. He brings an unconventional peace. In fact, Judges 3.30 says the land had peace for 80 years. Long time. That's double of what we saw last week. La tierra tuvo paz 80 años. So what does this all have to do with us? Well, again, as I hope we can see through the book of Judges, this story of an unconventional deliverer points us forward to another unconventional deliverer. Este libertador poco convencional nos ayuda a ver otro libertador poco convencional. Like Ehud, this other unconventional deliverer is the son of his father's right hand, the Bible tells us. Él es hijo también de la derecha de su padre. Reigning on high with his father, the son of his father's right hand, clothed in honor, clothed in might, clothed in victory, clothed in glory. He has it all. Él está vestido de honor, de gloria, de fuerza y poder. And yet the Bible tells us that this unconventional deliverer comes into our lives in an unconventional way. El bien en nosotros de forma poco convencional. How? By, in effect, strapping to his side, his right hand. Atando la mano derecha a su mano. He does not come in power. He does not come in honor. He does not come in glory. He does not come in dominance. He comes in weakness. El bien en debilidad. He comes in humility. 
And he comes to live amongst a people who are dying, starving, being robbed by Satan, the fat man, by sin and evil and oppression. El viene los pobres, el mundo que están adictos al pecado y robados de Satanás, el hombre gordo. He comes in a way that is very different, and in fact, he comes to defeat evil. Viene a derrotar el mal, but he does not come to defeat evil by plunging a dagger into it like Ehud did. No le derrota el mal apuñalándole. No. He defeats evil by taking the dagger into himself. Derrota el mal recibiendo la espada. He's nailed. He is pierced and placed on a cross. Perforado y clavado a una cruz. He defeats evil, overcomes evil in the power of his weakness, in his self-sacrifice. It's an unconventional sacrifice. El derrota el mal con un sacrificio poco convencional. He, in effect, becomes the fatted calf. He becomes the bull. Él se hace el, el becerro gordo in order to set us free. It's totally left-handed. It, it, it is totally unconventional, totally against the current. Está, es poco convencional, and, and yet the Bible tells us this is totally good news because this deliverer, Jesus, not only dies in an unconventional way, a perfect man for sinners, no solo muere de forma poco convencional, he is risen. He raises from the dead in an unconventional way. Ha resucitado de forma poco convencional. And because of that, we're set free. Because of that, we are invited. We are called to believe in him, to follow him, and to pay him tribute. Por eso le pagamos tributo. Not just money, mind you, but our lives. We're called to pay this man tribute by living in such a way that we begin to show his humility and his love in the world in unusual, unconventional ways. Nos llama a mostrar su amor y humildad en el mundo de forma poco convencional. That's what it means to be a Christ follower. It's to almost be like a left-handed person in a right-handed world. Seguidor de Cristo es un izquierdo, un zurdo, el mundo de los que usan la mano derecha. Look with me at 2 Peter chapter 3 in the Bible. 2 Peter chapter 3 verse 11. There's just a small part there that asks a very good question. And the question is this. What kind of people ought you to be? What kind of people ought you to be? Dice, no deberían vivir ustedes como Dios manda. What kind of people ought you to be? It says you ought to live holy and godly lives as you look forward to God's day and speed its coming. Deberían vivir de forma intachable, dice. That is, holy is, is unique, godly, godlike. You are to live in a unique, godlike, unconventional way. Deberían vivir de una forma poco convencional, intachable. 
And in doing so, you're speeding the coming of the true king. And what's our weapon in this? What is our weapon for uh, living in this holy and godly way? Tenemos un arma. Well, the Bible says the weapon that we have is like a double-edged sword. It's a double-edged sword. Tenemos una espada de dos filos. And that weapon is the word of God. La palabra de Dios. As we show Christ-like humility, Christ-like love, we have the word of God. And the word of God, Hebrews 4, 12 says, pierces the heart. It penetrates into the heart. And as the word of God penetrates into people's hearts, it does not kill them, it makes them live. That's unconventional. La palabra de Dios penetra el corazón para que las personas vivan y no mueran. It doesn't sound like it should work. It doesn't sound natural. No parece natural. But this is the way God wants to move through unconventional people. I think we're seeing in our world today that more of the same cycle is not going to deliver us. More hatred. You're not going to break the cycle of hatred with more hatred. No vas a quebrar el ritmo o el ciclo de odio con más odio. You're not going to break the cycle of pride with more pride. No quiebras el ciclo de arrogancia con más arrogancia. You're not going to break the cycle of fear with more fear, ni con más miedo. You're not going to break the cycle of ignorance and injustice with more ignorance and injustice. It doesn't work. No quiebras la ignorancia y la injusticia con más esas. The way we break the cycle, again, is by being unconventional people. Learning how to love like Jesus. Live like Jesus to spread his word, to communicate his message. Queremos amar y ser como Jesús. So, this week, here's the question. How can we show forth the unconventional presence of Jesus? How can we do something or share something of God's message with someone that that comes from a different angle, that comes from a different place, and perhaps is not natural to us? ¿Cómo compartir la presencia y la palabra de Dios de forma no convencional? This is not going to feel really comfortable for us. No va a ser nada cómodo. It's going to feel like uh, writing or eating with your non-dominant hand. All right? Try that. Try writing or eating with your non-dominant hand. Is it comfortable? No. Es casi como escribir o comer con tu mano no dominante. But this is what we're called to do. This is how we pay tribute to Jesus. Así pagamos tributo al Señor Jesús. This is how we live as unconventional people. Vivimos como gente poco convencional. Would you please pray with me? Oremos. God, we need help to make this word from your word come to life. Que esta palabra de tu palabra se encarne en nuestras vidas, Señor. We are comfortable reacting and acting in ways that are the dominant ways of the world. Reacting in ways where we feel like we have power, where we feel like we have 
uh, some sort of way of getting back when we're hurt or, or, or having the victory. Queremos uh, actuar a veces como el mundo. Queremos conseguir una victoria. Queremos uh, uh, tener represalias. But you're saying, no, take a different approach. You've called us in a sense to, to strap our weapon on the other leg. Nos has llamado a, a, a atar nuestra arma al otro muslo. And that weapon is your word. Thank you for this word. Thank you that wherever we go in the Bible, we can find something that points to Jesus. Gracias que donde quiera que vayamos a la Biblia, nos indica Jesús. I want to pray for our congregation. I want to pray for our world in these times. And I want to pray, God, that we could stick out and we could stick out as unconventional people. Quiero orar por nuestro mundo, nuestro país y nuestra iglesia para que nosotros podamos destacarnos como gente poco convencional. Lord, teach us how to live in this way as left-handed people in a right-handed world. Enséñanos a vivir como zurdos en un mundo de los que usan la derecha. We ask this in the name of our only King, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and in the name of the Lord Jesus, and God's people say, Amen.